Hello, everybody. Once again, the news is good. Florida State working on a November to remember and uh, check the box for three out of four with one big one still to come. But, Keith, second straight time that Florida State really dominates from start to finish. I mean, there were a few little lulls and patches where Florida State maybe didn't quite step on the throat of Syracuse when they could have, but ultimately the Orange were not in that football game last night. 45-14 FSU wins it. Second consecutive week that we've seen Florida State do what they were expected to do, and that is dominate an opponent. We've been talking all along about the need for the offense to get started. They did that on two consecutive drives last week, repeated that same thing this week. We said we wanted some three and outs. I don't know that we got nine consecutive, but uh, we got a string of a few in a couple of different spots. <clears throat> Pardon me. Defense played very well. Uh, I, I don't know what you could find fault with other than technical things. Uh, I'm very, very pleased, very, very proud of this squad. From an effort and an execution standpoint, it, it really seems like, Tommy, they have bought into this. we got to get ready Monday through Thursday. we got to practice like we said that we were going to and didn't. But now that we are, make Saturdays so much more enjoyable from a fan's perspective. Well, and it takes Florida State to 8-3. and three. They'll finish this year 5-3 and three in the ACC. And obviously you can't wipe out the three losses, which have people disappointed. Uh, and so no matter what Florida State does, for, for some, this year won't go down as a success. It's certainly not going to live up to what the preseason hype was. But uh, they are trending the right direction. I guess the, the naysayers would argue that Boston College and Syracuse just aren't very good football teams. And, and they can say that. And, and they would be right in many respects. However, uh, at this time of the year, you're playing you know, your, your, your ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th games of the years. Uh, a bad football team is experienced, and they can cause you problems. Uh, an experienced football team has got injuries and bumps and bruises. Uh, one of the reasons Jimbo talks about a November to remember is because it's hard. It's hard to win November. Uh, it's it just the way the game is today, and Florida State's well on its way to making it in November to remember one game left, that being with the Gators, and so far they've not done everything that's been expected of them. One thing that's, I think, inarguable at this point is that Dalvin Cook's a pretty doggone good running back. Four more touchdowns, over 200 yards rushing. He becomes the all-time leading rusher in Florida State history, passing Warwick Dunn. He's now tied with Greg Allen with 44 career rushing touchdowns. Had he gotten one more, he would have tied the single-game record of Ron Sellers for touchdowns in a game. I mean, how much more elite company can Dalvin join? I really don't know, and uh, we were talking uh, during the game. We talked, you and I talked in the pregame. You know, we 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 get into these comparisons about you know Sammy Smith and his great talent and Greg Allen and all the numbers that he put up, and of course Warwick Dunn, uh, who's the focus of the comparison at least recently. And and really, we we won't know about that comparison until 10 or 15 years from now. To be fair, to see what uh, Dalvin does at the next level, uh, but the mere fact that we're talking about it and the mere fact that we're witnessing it while it's happening, uh, I think speaks to uh, the greatness that, that is he, that is Dalvin. Uh, the way he's done it, I, I mean, it was almost effortless uh, in the ball game up in Syracuse. Obviously, he's more than anybody disappointed in the, in the fumbles. There's really one fumble, one good strip. A uh, very nice play by a defensive uh, player for Syracuse on the second turnover. But just the way he did it, the way he went about it, uh, I thought the national TV audience got another look at, at, you know, what did he have, 225, I think was the official number, 225 yards rushing in a game. And, and he's just a joy to watch. He's a joy to watch on the field. He's a joy to watch 
uh, during practice. He's a joy to watch as he conducts himself with the media. Um, you know, th this is a truly, truly outstanding college football player. Well, and he's going to be pretty good at the next level as well. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. But uh, just an amazing day, and he's got one more big one to go. There was a scare uh, late in the game, and, uh, you know, folks were not happy. Last week Jimbo had taken Dalvin out of the game at that point because he didn't want to risk injury. It wasn't uh, the same exact score or lead, but this time around he leaves him in. Uh, but, you know, that's one of those hindsight is always 20-20 things. I mean, uh, in the reality is Florida State was better, had that game won in the, in the first half, and so you can make that argument about at that point in the game, too. I guess, you know, we, we talk about more people are injured when they slip and fall in their bathtub or their shower at home than just about any other way. I guess we want to tell Dalvin to quit taking showers, too. <laughs> the good news is that he's fine and he'll be ready for Florida, I'm sure, as uh, uh, maybe it's going to be his last go-round against the Gators. We'll wait and see. He'll have to make a decision uh, after the season. Now, we'll make a decision right now that uh, we'll listen into Jimbo Fisher's post-game comments from uh, Syracuse after another dominating performance by the Knowles. This is courtesy of Seminoles.com. As always, take a listen. Proud of our guys. Uh, you know, come on the road, get a good win. I don't think we love the way we started the game. Guys come out fast. Uh, didn't like we, we lost focus there a couple times. Had two critical turnovers in the first half, very disappointing, and then the second half. I mean, the turnovers is a, is a disappointing thing. Uh, that was uncharacteristic with two fumbles, uh, very uncharacteristic. And 12 throwing the ball away, just don't throw it away far enough, and we had a drop punt. And uh, we got to get that fixed. But other than that, the defense I thought was outstanding on the day for a team that goes that fast, plays that tempo, the way they covered down, played the run, got pressure on the quarterback for the night. Uh, third down, they were outstanding. And after and sudden change, when we turned the ball over, they were really good coming back. One time they got to score, but the rest of the time the defense did a heck of a job. Got a big interception in the end zone early in the game. Uh, McFadden, I believe it was, that I thought was very important in the game. Pass off to them. I thought, now offense, we moved the ball. Do it well, run it well. That congratulations to Dalvin. Got a school record. Uh, tied the touchdown record. Also had you know 225 yards. And like you say, he'll, he'll tell you he could play better. You know, and DeAndre too. And the young receivers keep getting better and up front. But they blitzed and did some things. But we moved the ball well. But uh, got to get better. Red zone, we were good. Third down, we were over 50 percent, but still had some chances to clean that up. Uh, kicking game, we got covered. We got cover our punts better, but we got to kick it better. We're not kicking the directions right. We're not getting up hang. And we got to get that down there. They had outstanding guys, and it was putting our turn team in a bad situation. And on the one kickoff, we didn't squeeze a gap. We had a guy get out of the lane, and we got to get that cleaned up. So, uh, got to get ready to go. But now, again, this is one of the reasons you come to Florida State to get play, play the Florida Gators. They're a heck of a football team. Uh, we believe they had a great win today, for what it sounds like. Uh, so we're going to be ready to play when they come in. It's Florida, Florida State. We've got two really good teams, and uh, we got to be ready to rock and roll and ready to play. So, hopefully, we'll get better. We've got a lot to work on this week. Be ready to go. You can tell that Jimbo has been pleased, and he should be the last couple of weeks with the way his team has played. Uh, again, it's not going to change the results against North Carolina and Clemson or Louisville from earlier this year, but but they are playing more fundamentally sound football uh, across the board. And it began with Mondays. Uh, you know, when uh, when Bobo Wilson went down, uh, there was that heart-to-heart -heart talk with Nooney Murray. you got to step up. you got to make things happen. He had a great week of practice, comes out with a great game. Uh, he's been talking with the team and, and uh, Demarcus and, and Alvin and, and Eberly and, and to a degree Derwin have been talking to on the defensive side to the kids about how important it is to practice and, and make it happen Monday through Thursday so that you're ready when Saturday comes around. <coughs> Pardon me. And I just I, I think Tommy, it's not to oversimplify, but that's exactly what this club has bought into, and that's why the last uh, what five weeks now, uh, four weeks have, have been. The 
the type of football that we're used to seeing from Florida State, whereas things that were happening earlier in the year was so atypical of what we were used to, we were all scratching our heads. Well, and it would have been interesting. Uh, it's uh, exercise in futility at this point because the schedule is what it is. But had it not been so front-loaded and had Boston College or Syracuse been sprinkled into the first six weeks and maybe Louisville was this weekend or had it, had it been aligned differently, maybe you're sitting at a different record than 8-3 and three right now. But, uh, you know, every team in the country could probably play that game based on how their team needed to develop over the course of the year. Well, if you want to play that game, let's take it one step further. Jimbo's in his seventh year as a head coach. Just turned 50. Uh, He's very experienced as a coach, but he's just in his seventh year of a head coach. What if Jimbo had changed some of the things he said during spring ball and during the booster tour and during fall camp about how great this team could be? Uh, You know, you you can't really necessarily manage expectations. We talk about that concept sometimes about managing expectations. Very hard to do, but I think maybe Jimbo and the staff, and I, I know we in the media, and certainly Seminole fans in general have come to understand that maybe we don't buy into all the hype uh, that's being talked about during spring and summer and fall camp. And we wait and, and, and keep our uh, expectations in check until things start happening on the field. Maybe there's a lesson learned there for all of us as it relates to how we approach the year and what those expectations were. If you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Visit them online at ctf.nu. Tom and Keith with you. Florida State wins in impressive fashion over the Syracuse Orange, and Dalvin Cook sets a record. Defense played really well, too, so we've got a lot to talk about in this one, including the fact that they need to suit you up to play the safety position. Are there any bodies left? I mean, uh, you hate to see a defense with no safeties, but Florida State is is running uh, thin in that uh, department. We'll, uh, we will uh, continue the conversation about Dalvin and the offense, though, when we continue. Florida State wins it, wins it in impressive fashion over Syracuse, and we're back right after this. Welcome back. The news good from Syracuse. Florida State improves to 8-3. and three. They do the expected. Let's talk offense here. Dalvin stole the show. Now, this was a, a, a defense that has not been a good defense this year. And what Dino Babers is trying to do is run tempo. And uh, at some point, that will probably prove a good decision. But right now, when he's running tempo offensively, it gets his poor defense out on the field more often. And Florida State really overwhelmed them to the tune of roughly 650 total yards offense. And it began up front. Uh, Right, wrong, or indifferent, uh, Coach Babers and his staff are are running a 4-3. Three of the four down linemen are freshmen. The other one's a sophomore. So at least on paper, you know going in, you should have experiential advantage over these guys. They'll be good next year. They'll be even better in 2017. Doesn't help Syracuse in in, in, in 2016. Uh, it's just the way the dice rolls. The secondary was also suspect, and we saw, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but we did see uh, Francois with the ability to get the ball down the middle of the field. They run the Tampa 2. Uh, if you're familiar with, with uh, that terminology, that means the middle's going to be open if you don't have deep drops from your linebackers, and they didn't have that. Up front, Florida State started a different offensive line set. They went with uh, Kearney uh, at the tackle, 
and uh, they replaced the R at the left guard and, and, and went new there. We knew that uh, Wilson Bell was seeing time at the right guard. So it was a little different of an offensive front. Uh, I thought they run blocked very, very well. Uh, I thought uh, Dalvin got out of the shoots quickly. Uh, again, repeating what I said last uh, segment, it, it was effortless. I mean, I, he, he's, he's a back that's made for a dome. He's a back that's made for artificial turf. Although it seemed like he slipped a time or two. He did, but but he just looks good when he's clean and and you know when it's fresh and it's quick. Uh, that just plays into to, to the aura that is about him. And and he showed out. And I showed his speed. He showed his toughness. It was interesting. I was I was paying attention to the home crowd there at the uh, Carrier Dome, and, and and while it wasn't a sellout, there was 40,000, 42,000 people there. And you could hear the home crowd, the opponent's home crowd, going, ooh, ah. Yeah, I could, uh, you know, Syracuse, so when you're, it's it's not a cavernous dome. It's a tight dome. The fans are right on you. I could have a conversation with folks in the first few rows, and I can hear their conversations and other people. And it was... Uh, you know, you could tell people were thinking they're just kind of shaking their heads when you look up. Like what, we we don't have anybody like, like that. Like what are we going to do? Uh, and it's interesting. This is a place with a lot of history. Uh, and if you've been a longtime college football fan, you're aware. But Syracuse has a proud history uh, that includes guys like Floyd Little and Larry Zonka and Jim Brown. Uh, and the number 44 uh, is holy in Syracuse. So it's it's kind of ironic that Dalvin Cook got to his 44th career rushing touchdown which ties him with Greg Allen for the all-time FSU career record uh, in a stadium that uh, worships the number 44, if you will. And and if you're not a, a product of Florida State history, if you didn't catch our pregame or some of the comments that uh, Gene and Bar Nunn had during the game, uh, Syracuse is also the site where Dalvin had his first 100-yard rushing day uh, when he had to step in literally for, for uh, as an injury replacement. Uh, so it was a little bit... Uh, ironic's not the right, right word, just a little bit uh, he came, 360. He came full circle. Just a little 360 action there that uh, he breaks that record uh, and surpasses Warwick on the field where he got his first real opportunity uh, to see some starting time and significant playing time. Let's listen into some of Dalvin's uh, comments, some remarks from Dalvin after he uh, moves to the top of the career rushing list. And again, this is courtesy of Seminoles.com. Blessing to be where I'm at. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just proud of my guy guys for putting me in a position to be here so you know I give all credit to those guys and my coaches for putting me in a position to make the plays so I give all credit to them and you know I just think you know they they did a great job of giving me the opportunity to be at the top of this list so I'm just I'm just thankful. Did you know when you broke Warwick's record? I kind of heard it on the sideline when I did it and you know I had I had a feeling I did it because you know it was a long run and you know I looked to the sideline and all my guys was happy and you know they were cheering for me so you know that's why I love those guys so much. You know, they, they make it known that I, that I did it. Tiptoeing on the sideline there, were you trying to go for the, go for the score there on that run? Of course. I was trying to go to school. Every time I touch it, I'm trying to go to school. So, you know, he kind of like, you know, I thought I beat him enough to get past him, but, you know, he pushed me out of bounds, and I was kind of off balance a little bit. But, yeah, I was trying to go to school. I know you're trying to make that happen last week. You know, after a couple plays, you came short, tripped up, you know, kind of galloped. I know you wanted it last week. Is it kind of bittersweet to make it in here, or...? 
it's it, it's sweet to be at the top of the list because you know we work so hard as a, as a group and you know like I said the O line and the receivers they do a great job every week of blocking and you know this award right here is for them too you know for them going out there and sacrificing their body for me to make the plays so you know me being at the top of the list is them being at the top of the list so you know we work so hard for this man so so, so it's all them not you it's, like, it's all us it's, it's, it's a team effort you know so you know is everybody at the top of the list right now Again, for all your Florida State uh, coverage, go to Seminoles.com right now. Full recap and uh, much more than just hearing uh, from Dalvin Cook on his big night. Let's uh, move past. I'll finish the Dalvin conversation by saying this. It would take uh, some really heavy lifting, but uh, he's about 460 yards away from being the all-time leading rusher in ACC history. Ted Brown at NC State holds that mark. And he's about 530 yards away from being the all-time rusher in the history of running backs in the state of Florida. That's Kevin Smith at UCF right now. So he's got two games. Uh, This is assuming he doesn't come back for his senior year, which I don't think anybody expects that he will. So he's probably not going to get there. He's going to go down as the number two all-time rusher in ACC history and in the state of Florida. But uh, regardless of how he stacks up, he's one of the best. And his argument will be uh, very simply that he did it in three years. And those other backs, uh, I'd have to go back and check the record, but I think I'm pretty safe in saying it took them four. Exactly right. Uh, and that's a proud point for him. Uh, we've teased all along because you and I individually are such uh, huge fans and friends uh, of Warwick Dunn that uh, we'll also remind you that although Warwick did it in four years, he also did it with less carries. And Warwick would be the first one to point that out to you. Uh, He's very proud of Dalvin, has said so publicly, uh, and has relayed that message. But uh, he's a competitor still, uh, as we all are. And uh, it's just interesting as the uh, years unfold, Tommy, that we'll be able to make those comparisons and contrasts. But Dalvin's now in the conversation. No question about that. All right, a few more minutes to talk about the rest of the offense uh, overall. You mentioned the new offensive line. So uh, Kareem R was apparently sick uh, for much of the week, and so Cole Minshew got a lot of the reps. They decided to start him. Kareem did play a little bit, but Minshew started at left guard. Bell's been at right guard. Uh, and you mentioned that uh, Rick Leonard uh, was I called it. him Carney. Rick, Rick Leonard. Rick Leonard was at uh, right tackle. Uh, and, and Brock Rubel was available. I saw him on the bench dressed out, but they, they played Leonard there and obviously big ride on the left side. But, uh, again, a young defensive line, offensive line did a good job. Uh, the receiving core, Auden Tate had another nice game, and he showed a little – last week he showed us maybe some balance and some ability to turn and make catches in the air. This week he showed a little a little make you miss for a big guy a couple that times. He, that he did. Let's start with Francois. Uh, There were a couple of three passes. I think if you go back and look at the tape, as you're watching the game, for those of you who are watching on TV, it would look like that Francois missed a couple or three. And and maybe there was one or two in there that he did. But by my estimation, there was also a couple in there where there was some miscommunication with the receivers, uh, particularly one to the tight end and Izzo uh, that looked like, you know, he threw behind him. And, again, that goes back to, Right, wrong, or indifferent, the complexity of Leonard's of uh, uh, Fisher's offense. You know, you've got to make some side adjustments after the snap, and and the quarterback and the receivers got to be on the same page. In like fashion, I am just amazed at the success that Florida State's had with those back shoulder throws, with a redshirt freshman throwing the football. I mean, they they can put on a clinic on how to make that work. 
And again, although there was a, a couple of miscues, uh, Francois' ability to get the ball over the middle and take advantage of that deep middle uh, with both uh, Izzo and Saunders, uh, I think speaks to how uh, Francois continued to mature as a quarterback. I, and I thought, Tommy, you didn't ask me this, I'll tell you anyway, I, I thought his, the, the clock in his head was a little better. You know, we talk about the fact that there's got to be that every quarterback's got to have that clock in their head, and they got to go ahead and get that ball out of there and not hold it too long. I think he showed some improvement there. He took a couple of sacks, as I recall, but they weren't horrible, and, and he got the ball out quicker and didn't take some of the late hits that we've seen previously. I think there was one roughing the passer that, uh, penalty that was called. Uh, so he continues in his improvement. Well, the one big mistake was the interception, which was a throwback play where, it, to me, he didn't put enough on it to get out of bounds. And it's almost like he forgot that he had gone so far left to throw back, as if he was right in the middle of the field. Because if he was in the middle of the field, normal pocket, that ball would have been, that, out. That ball would have been out of bounds. And I think he just lost lost his uh, place on the field. If well, you and I think, too, uh, it was a throwback to Dalvin, I believe. And that, that pass play, they've run three or four times with great success. Uh, I think he just was also recognizing and trying to throw to a spot, knowing that four would go get it. So, uh, yeah, a mistake, but we'll give him a pass on it. Florida, no pun intended. Florida State uh, rolls up 650 yards of total offense and really shut it down for the last 10 minutes. Of the, about the time Dalvin came out, Florida State shut it down, so they could have gone much higher than that. But uh, FSU gets a win, looks impressive on offense, scores 14 points on the first two drives. Uh, good to see that for a second week in a row. And the defense played well for a second week in a row. We'll talk about the defense when we continue right here. Stay with us. Let's move to the defensive side of the balls. We welcome you back, Tom and Keith, with you. Florida State uh, gives up 14 points, and seven of them came on a Hail Mary. I guess we can start there, which is really doing them a disservice because they did have eight sacks and play pretty well. But uh, I can tell you that at the half, when Jimbo came in, uh, he, his message was much more about the offense. He came in and said, defense, forget about it. It's one play. You played a great half. And then he went over and said, offense, we should have put this game away already. We got too many mistakes. There were some missed routes. We had to go step on their throat kind of message. That was how Jimbo treated it. Uh, that said, where did FSU go wrong on the Hail Mary? <laughs> well, Because no. what happened is the tall guy got boxed out. Ermin Lane got boxed out. And the reason Ermin got boxed out, there's, there's two rules on the Hail Mary. Uh, number one, make sure the receiver is behind you. Get in front of the receiver. And Ehrman was behind the receiver. And of course, is goes about 6'2", 6'3", himself. That's the first rule. Be in front of the receiver. And secondly, don't go up and try to catch the ball. Go up and dunk the ball down. They didn't do that either. And as a result, they go up, they get the Hail Mary, they convert the seven yards, uh, seven points. If you go and look at the halftime stats, just like last week, uh, Florida State would have held Syracuse below, I believe, 100 yards in the half. I think that pass was 46 yards on the last play of the second quarter. So two fundamental mistakes. I will tell you that, that uh, there's also, it's kind of like my golf game, Tommy. I'm, I'm real good at, at hitting the ball out of the woods, you know, using a long iron on short distances because I'm in the woods so much. <laughs> I'm there all the time, so I'm pretty good at getting out. Florida State really doesn't have opponents trying Hail Marys against them very often. It's not a play that, that, that by history, Florida State has had to defend much, uh, but those are the two fundamental things you got to do. Get in front of the receiver and don't try to intercept it. Go up and knock it down. Neither of that happened. Credit Syracuse for converting. 
this is as much offense as anything, and I know we're in a defensive segment, but one of the most impressive things in the game is that Florida State started the third quarter by going right down the field and getting that touchdown back. That's a side note. Back to the defense. Uh, eight sacks in the game. Demarcus Walker adds to his tally. Brian Burns looks like a star, uh, even though he looks light when you look at him, but, man, is he an athlete. He is so quick, Tommy. If he can retain that quickness uh, after going through a year of, of getting some uh, meat on those bones, uh, he's going to be quite, quite uh, uh, the defender. The thing that does concern you going into the Florida game is, you know, you're you're without Derwin, you're without Nate. Um, you know, uh, Trey's getting beat up. Uh, there was another one of the safeties that went out. Uh, I think he'll be okay. I think I think he might be cleared uh, to play against Florida. But you and I made the you made the comment to me about, you know, we, we need some more bodies back there. They really have taken a toll at the safety position this year. Well, Westbrook, Westbrook, and Bruton. Because they collided, right? They collided, and Jimbo said after the game they both had concussion-like symptoms, so we'll have to see on them. Now, Jimbo was optimistic that Trey Marshall would be back, which is, uh, if that's the case, it's going to leave you with Marshall and uh, Ermin Lane as your safeties, and Kyle Myers will have to play a lot more. Now, uh, you know, Kyle Myers played against NC State as the, at the star position and struggled a little bit. And, and you can explain this better than I can. But prior to that, he had played a lot primarily as part of the dime package and obvious passing situations on third down, which means he goes in, he doesn't have to fit the run. Now he goes into the star position when Marshall comes out. And, and that's about your number one job. Yeah, you've got to fit the run, but also worry about that. So, uh, you know, he's just not as experienced there yet. And so that's that's a little bit tougher for him if he ends up there and, and Trey has to go back and play a more traditional safety. The good news might be that Florida State will get a full week of practice leading into the Florida game. So whoever might be new or newer to positions will get added reps during the week. Uh, obviously, this late in the year, that will help um, uh, because I just haven't seen playing time in those positions. Uh, but, you know, it's the age-old next man up. This is the time of year when these types of things happen. And if you're going to have a good football team that works on a good to quasi-great year, youngsters have got to step up and play. Well, it's game 12, and you get uh, you get rest after this uh, to heal up those bumps and bruises. Plus, you have Florida, so you're not going to have a problem getting motivated for this, and we'll talk about that in our last segment. Uh, let's let's go back to the defensive front, though. It, it was not the, the regular quarterback for Syracuse, first of all, their backup. Not their starting center, either. So FSU, and, and it was also an offensive line that was five first-year starters. So Florida State had the upper hand, given what it has on its defensive front, and it showed eight sacks. That it did. Uh, and, and and they stuffed the run pretty good. There was not anything that squirted out of there. Uh, I mean, I, I, you and I, we talked, continued to be impressed with Naughty, uh, continued to be impressed with, uh, with as we've mentioned, Burns, uh, Demarcus Walker. Sweat didn't have the big numbers. Uh, but I tell you something, and I was a guy that was, was on his case earlier in the year for good reason. Uh, he, he was loafing. He, he was not playing every play. Uh, he didn't have big numbers against Syracuse, but he played every play. He was in there. I mean, I think he's turned the corner on what it takes uh, to go from a great athlete that's a good football player 
to a great athlete that makes themselves a great football player. Uh, so pleased with that. Uh, the linebackers, uh, you know, sometimes it continues to be a hit and miss, but but uh, they performed well. Uh, you know, the defensive backfield, uh, McFadden had another interception, uh, which brings him to number eight on the year. Um, there were a couple of times when there were some people running free that Syracuse missed. Uh, Syracuse left some points on the on the on the board, uh, on the on the uh, the field, if you will. Uh, but all in all, you didn't see based on their hurry up you didn't see people not getting lined up i mean what what's interesting to me tommy is is watching kids particularly when they're going up early in the year against these uh, up-tempo offenses. They'll make a big play and they'll stand there and want to celebrate or do something for the, for just 3 or 4 seconds. You didn't see that particularly in the second half. Well, because they learned that three or four seconds is was crushing them. Exactly. I got to get back and get lined up and there is nothing. I'm telling you these kids don't understand it until they've done it. There is nothing more demoralizing to an up-tempo offense than for, A, you to beat them on the play and then beat them back to the line of scrimmage. Right. Because that's what they're trying to do, and you're taking that away from them. You're completely taking away the, the primary reason that they're trying to go up-tempo. It is absolutely demoralizing if you'll accomplish it. And Florida State has a, they've gotten better against They have. It, which is a good thing because it's not going away. And uh, the book is sort of out there that Florida State maybe has struggled a little bit in that department. So uh, teams are going to do it. That obviously is Syracuse's MO across the board. Uh, let, let's go to uh, the guy that's been the vocal leader of this Florida State defense all year long. Just collect some thoughts on another good defensive effort for Florida State. Uh, this is senior Demarcus Walker. And once again, this is courtesy of Seminoles.com. We just took advantage of every opportunity we had. You know, uh, they threw the ball a lot, so, you know, we knew we were going to have many opportunities to get back there. We just had to uh, seize the opportunity. Uh, really good. You know, Brian Burns did a very good job, and, uh, you know, um, he uh, had a great week of practice. And uh, when Jay went down, he stepped up and uh, matured and, and, and was ready to take on that role. How have you seen Brian improve over the course of the season? Really good. You know, he's one heck of a pass rusher. Very smart athlete. Seemed like he's really quick, too, especially for a guy his size. You've seen many players that, you know, like have that kind of building speed? No, not really. Uh, I was talking to um, Jerry and Coach Mario Thursday about Brian. They say Brian reminded him of Peter Bower. Obviously, Florida's a huge game for you in your last home game, officially last home game, and just, you know, they've had a great year, you guys have had a great year. How, how, how excited are you about looking at it? I'm very excited. Y'all know how I feel about Florida, you know, going to the sweep, I'm very excited. Galvin sets two records, ties another one. What's left to say about his, his career here? He's the greatest, greatest runner back. So DeMarcus, uh, another number 44 in the land of 44 there in Syracuse, puts up a couple more sacks to add to his tally. And uh, I'm going to forget the year, but he and Brian Burns are the first tandem to have to combine for 20-plus sacks for FSU in some time. And, and FSU's in the top 10 nationally in sacks. So beginning of this year, uh, defensive line didn't feel like it was quite living up to the hype. But then you find out that Nottie was hurt and Josh Sweat was hurt and feels like they're they're playing about what we expected now they're understanding uh, what their role is they're not trying to do too much uh, they're being very disciplined in terms of their rush lanes and you start seeing that pocket collapse when you when your defensive front is doing a good job Tommy 
It's when the quarterback goes down and you cannot immediately identify who the sacker is. Or you have to actually wait till the tape and right. the coaches have to make the decision. That's when your defensive line is performing well. You mentioned the McFadden pick. Uh, he now has eight, which is tied for the second most in a single season. Uh, I don't think he's going to get to 12, which is what Buckley had to set that record. The, the pick he made was not only uh, tremendous because it stopped a Syracuse scoring threat, it was in the end zone, but it was quite a play. I mean, he got his head around at the last minute and somehow picked up the ball and was able to hold on to it. It's a play, exact same play, that he's given up two touchdowns on. This time he didn't. Right. There's improvement. There's a, there's a, there's a kid that's getting better and better, and, and hats off to, to Tavares. He made the play against Syracuse. There's been a couple of times prior when he didn't. That's maturity. Florida State gets the win. McFadden gets a pick. Dalvin Cook gets uh, all kinds of records. And uh, we're just going to turn the page, throw all that out, because it's Florida week, and we'll start talking about the Gators when we come back. Tom and Keith back with you to put a bow on this one uh, over the final uh, several minutes here. Keith, uh, before we do turn the page fully to Florida, anything else we need to point out? I guess one thing I would point out is that uh, we need to talk about special teams here a little bit. Or lack thereof. Or lack thereof. And, uh, and to be fair, Florida State's punt coverage has not been great this year, but a big part of the reason why is that Logan Tyler has struggled punting the football. He has uh, the one big return that Syracuse had was a ball that he hit pretty good, uh, but there's just a natural tendency if, if, if your punter's hitting it at 38 and 40, uh, you're going to pace yourself accordingly whether you intend to or not. When he hits one about 52, that, that extra six or seven yards is all that a good returner needs to, to gather the ball, get himself centered, and give his teammates another six or eight yards to help him in terms of opening up some lanes. Disappointed in the punt coverage, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll say half on the punter, half on the kick cover team, uh, but it's nevertheless a, an issue that needs to be addressed before the Gators come to town. Well, because it's a factor. Florida is not uh, tremendous offensively. You don't want to let them uh, turn, flip the field position because of something they do uh, in special teams. On the other side, uh, Nooney Murray uh, you know, has sure hands, but He's starting to think about, let me make a return, let me make a play, and he clearly uh, tried to run before he caught the one football that he that he muffed. We had been talking in the prior uh, couple of three games when he started returning those kicks that you know, he'd not had opportunity. All he'd been doing is fair catching. <coughs> Pardon me. And then uh, he got a couple of opportunities, and, and it, he got tripped up, and, you know, it was, oh, and, you know, and then he drops the one. Uh, he came right back. Actually, l let me back up. There was a, a punt that I think Pew or Burns got a finger on early in the game. That, it was uh, Burns. Uh, and, and the ball hit the ground because it had been partially blocked. And out of the corner of my eye, I see Murray sprinting up. And he, he caught the ball on the first hop, not to return it, but to, to get it and save it and get down. I, he, you know, he was willing to give himself up to, to get the ball and not allow it to hit and maybe uh, Syracuse gain 15, 20 years, yards on the bounce. The one that he, he, he dropped, I mean, went right through the breadbasket, he committed the, the cardinal sin. You know, he took his eye off of it. We were talking in our pregame uh, show about what's the difference in playing in a dome. And other than sight lines and some things like that, the only real person that a dome materially affects is your punt returner. 
Some domes have a have a more uh, of a darker ceiling, and that ball doesn't pick it up real well. This particular one, the, the the carrier dome, has a white ceiling, so the ball does pick up real well. But there's still it's a different sight line. You got those speakers right. hanging down. You know, it's there, there's depth. you're looking into light. You're looking into light, and there's a depth perception there. Uh, I, 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 we, we you'd have to ask Nooney to be for sure, but I think he would be the first to tell you. All that really didn't come into play. I just took my eye off the ball. One other thing uh, from the special teams. Well, two other things. Uh, there was an onside kick in the game, and Jimbo, had uh, he told the team to be ready for an onside kick at the start of the second half. Turns out Syracuse saved it until their first score Correct. of the second half, but FSU got on it. And then we had a, a long field goal that was missed. This isn't so much special teams. I didn't particularly like the sequence there going into the half that led to that. It was third and ten at the 37. And uh, while you might not have gotten 10 on a run, had you run the ball there, you had all your timeouts, uh, you would have gotten five, six, seven yards closer, and then maybe you go for it, you have a shorter field goal. I just didn't think that was the best sequence for Florida State, given that they had plenty of timeouts. And it was a 54-yard attempt. Right, because they were still at the 30. Right. And, and ultimately, with the miss, Syracuse goes down and gets in position to throw the Hail Mary. The Hail Mary. You know, and again, some of that's hindsight and, and – uh, uh, Sunday morning quarterback, uh, as you listen to this, literally or Sunday, or Sunday, Sunday evening, yeah. uh, whichever version of our show you're listening to. Um, I, I did think it was interesting that uh, Jimbo had the confidence in Logan Tyler to, to attempt that. There was no hesitation because he'd made the 52 or 53 yarder early, uh, and he didn't miss the 54 yarder by much. It was just a little little trickled out to the right. Uh, but I agree with you. But there might have been some things that you know, in hindsight, you'd want to do a little differently before you get to that position. I'll remind you that if you've got a do-it-yourself project that needs to be finished, you can go visit Ron and his knowledgeable staff at Cornerstone Tool and Fastener to get all your power tool needs. Two locations to choose from, 1110 Stuckey Avenue and 3269 Crawfordville Highway. Visit them online at ctf.nu. All right, so next up is Florida. Florida's coming off a big win over LSU. Uh, you and I didn't have a chance to watch the game, but uh, this had everything that you would have expected given the drama that led to the game being moved out of Gainesville into Baton Rouge, made up weeks later. Uh, it turns out that it did need to be make, made up it because it uh, determined who the SEC East champion is, and that's Florida. Uh, there was a little bit of altercation, shoving match before the game. The game ends with LSU having two tries in a row at the one-yard line. They don't get in, so Florida prevails. Uh, and I don't know what that adds to this week because I think FSU would have been ready and motivated, but maybe the fact that they went into Baton Rouge and beat LSU is one more selling point for Jimbo to make to his team. Well, if you look at this from a what does this do for our season standpoint, uh, this game is basically meaningless. Florida State's not playing in the ACC championship game. Uh, it's doubtful now that they're even a candidate for a New Year's Six Bowl. Florida's secured the East position in the SEC championship game. Even if they win the SEC championship game, they're not going to the playoff. Uh, so this, why, why are we even playing this game? Well, the reason is it's because it's the rivalry game. And whether we've got national title implications on it, or as people have heard me say until their, 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 their eyes are crossed and their ears are closing. We played Florida, did Florida State in 1979. The Gators were 0-9-1, we were 10-0. and 0. 
we barely got out of Gainesville with a victory in our undefeated season. While the national implications won't be as great, there still will be a national audience at the time that we're doing this. We don't know the kickoff time. Stay tuned. It'll obviously be announced. You'll be aware of it. But it's a rivalry game, Tommy. Uh, when we talk about playing the University of Miami because of the way recruiting in South Florida has been over the last 10 or 15 years, you know, those kids played with and against each other. Well, now here's the rest of the rivalry. Uh, these are kids from Georgia and Mississippi and, and Arkansas and, and North Florida that have played with and against each other, not just the South Florida kids. Uh, this is uh, kid, guys like me that are 30-plus years after the fact. Uh, that still remember and heard the stories about how it took a little act of, of the legislature to get this game going in, in 57 or 58 when it first started. Uh, this is a rivalry game. This, this, this is a game that you understand even when you're playing that you're going to be talking about 5 and 10 and 25 years down the road. As you mentioned earlier, if you can't get ready for this game, if you can't get motivated for this game, stay in the locker room. We don't want you out there. Uh, this game takes on its own identity regardless of where it fits into the national picture, uh, and I expect it to be spirited, hard-hitting, and, and, and there'll be some jawing going on, and it'll be entertaining, and people just need to watch it because it is what it is. Florida State, Florida. And again, uh, you know, from a standpoint, there's there's not the national implications. I do feel like there's a lot here for Florida State. Now, if you win, you go to nine and three, and you've won a state title. Uh, and again, Florida State hasn't lived up to the expectations that were set at the beginning of the year. But uh, I think for a good portion of the fan base, they'll feel a lot better about the way the season turned out. Not everybody. It doesn't excuse what went wrong. But I, and Jimbo is five and one against Florida. He's seven and zero now against Miami. So he's got a chance to run his record to six and one against the Gators. I think the talk this week, and we'll get more into this uh, when we uh, do the front row, which you'll hear on Wednesday at, at six o'clock, as always. Uh, the talk is going to be that this game may be similar to what last year's game was, and that you got a lot of defense, and and ultimately FSU maybe can put some points on the board and uh, and finish off Florida. I, I don't know how it'll unfold because uh, sometimes this this series just doesn't unfold like what you expect. Well, and that's the definition of a rivalry game. You can throw out uh, predictions, you can throw out schedules, you can throw out trends, and and, and uh, what you think is going to happen. Uh, I do believe it'll be a very hard-fought defensive game. I think by far Florida State is more talented and has a more accomplished offense uh, than the Gators have. They still continue to struggle some at quarterback, haven't really found a, a running game. But by the same token, Florida's defense, despite all of their offensive problems, their defense is, is just about as good as anybody's going Florida State's going to play. And as a result, you just go out and play 60 minutes, and who knows what's going to happen. That's why you need to be there, and that's why everybody shows up, and that's why we watch it. And uh, we'll continue to make the case, by the way, that assuming it, it goes in Florida State's favor, that uh, we need to have a moment after the game, before uh, before the team heads into the locker room, right after the teams have, sh have uh, shook hands, to uh, salute Dalvin Cook uh, in front of the home crowd. You know, there, there's talk, and I don't know what Coach Fisher and, and A.D. Wilcox will do, and they may not do anything. Uh, that's their decision. Uh, but I do think it would be appropriate at the end of the game to schedule something. If the game goes bad and Florida State loses it, you can always scrap it 
although I still think you should do it. But if Florida State's victorious, saving it to the end and letting this crowd at Doak Campbell show their appreciation to what Dalvin has done uh, and represented and been for this university, I think would be a very fitting tribute and a very fitting end to a ball game. Speaking of the end, we have reached the end of this uh, fine show. Florida State wins it. We thank you for tuning in. As always, we'll talk to you again 6 o'clock on Wednesday night on the front row. Until then, he's Keith. I'm Tom. So long for now.